happy Friday. It is another episode of In the Woods with Dogs podcast. I'm very excited about this episode. Um, A million years ago, I met Alicia. Um, Well, I kind of knew of her because I was uh, training for Mondio Ring and she was mutual friends with the guy that was doing the decoy work for my little club. Um, And I actually met her at that guy's wedding. We sat at the same table, all that. And I wasn't at the wedding for very long. I was I was a um, last minute invite. <laughs> they had me and a couple other people from the club were just kind of added on at the end to the reception because they ended up having some open seats and they were like, you guys should come. And so we sat at this table, all the dog sport people sat at the table and um, Alicia and I didn't really interact. This was years ago, I think it was like 2019 and we didn't really interact a whole ton no big deal I left because I had other plans I kind of just I went I went to be supportive but I had other stuff going on so anyways I left and um we never really engaged or spoke much after that and I deleted her off Facebook in a, a purge once just because we never really spoke and then when I started posting videos on TikTok she came across my content and and started commenting on things and and we um usually saw eye to eye and all that and i knew exactly who she was the entire time i still followed her on instagram um and she had no idea who i was and so we started reconnecting through facebook and instagram and one time she said to me i should come to minnesota and meet you like i i really enjoy talking to you i should come to minnesota and meet you and i was like "Bitch, we've met and so that's that was really funny because she didn't remember and it's it was totally fine but um now we talk now we're at the point where we probably talk every day and we just really hit it off we have similar sense of humor we have similar uh viewpoints when it comes to dogs and dog training and people and um whatever I think it's just a really fun friendship and I wanted to do a podcast with her a while ago because um when we were talking like a little more casually because I I could tell that we had the same point of view when it comes to like being supportive for our clients and really truly caring about our clients that seems to differ from a lot of the dog trainers on social media and then um, I just never really got around to actually finalizing those plans but last week I was sitting around and I was like hey let's record a podcast episode when do you want to do that so we finally got it done and we kind of went into this with a plan for a topic, but I knew that we would just kind of riff and it would take off in the, whatever direction it took off in and it would be good and, and cool. Um, but it ended up being a really, really cool conversation that I'm really glad that I recorded it so you guys can listen to it. Um, Alicia is in Ohio. She's originally from New York and she's been training dogs about the same time amount of time as me. She has uh, a lot more experience with uh, protection sports than I do, I would say. And she's trained with a lot of different, um, more well-known trainers. She's worked for different companies. She's been self-employed. Uh, she wrote a whole thing I have to look at that I'll put in the, uh, description, but she, I think she has more like a, a well-rounded, uh, experience, social experience in dog world where I'm not really friends with a lot of dog people anymore. She maintains those connections and so she's got some cool perspectives. Um, But we really talk about, in this episode, we talk about burnout 
as a dog trainer because she actually doesn't train dogs professionally really anymore. Um, she only does it in very specific cases. And so we talk about burnout as a dog trainer. We talk about like screening our clients and, and being really specific about the people that we work with and how that helps with our burnout. Um, and then we also talk about how burnout can contribute to some of these situations that we see quite often of dog trainers being kind of exposed as neglectful or abusive um, or both. And, and what we kind of, what our takes on that kind of are and what it really takes to be a professional in this industry and be ethical um, and be somebody that people can truly trust to take care of their dogs. So I think it's a really cool episode for anybody that is um, dog owners and dog trainers alike, but especially I think people who are getting into the industry and really want to make this their lifestyle. These are things to really consider. Um, before we get started, I should do some plugs because my new thing is that I don't do outros anymore because I never know what to say in them. So, um, my first plug is that February 11th, Savannah and I are going to do a live viewing, live recording of the podcast. And it's just going to be a general Q&A, but it's going to be interactive. So, you pay for it like an online seminar, but it's only $10. And I am still kind of monkeying around with exactly the format, but I know for sure there's going to be a Facebook Live video. It's going to be in a Facebook group, so you have to have Facebook in order to join. Um, But what I would love to do, I've never done it before, but what I would love to do is do one of those like audio channels that Facebook groups allow so that people can actually chime in in real time uh, with their their actual voice. They can actually talk with us. Um, If they want to, you won't be required to do that. And then because it's also going to be a live video, you can sit back and just watch. And if you have questions, you can type them out and we will be monitoring that so that we can address your comments and and thoughts uh, in real time. So if you want to sign up for that, that is on my website. I need to make a post about it on Instagram. I will put a link in the description that will take you right to where you can sign up. And then in the confirmation email for where you sign up, there will be a link to the Facebook group. If you're a subscriber, you get a 50% discount. So it's only five bucks to join. So get signed up for that so you can be in that group. That'll be February 11th um, at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, What else? I am uh, doing a reactivity seminar at Copilot Dog Outfitters down in the Linden Hills neighborhood in Minneapolis, but it is full. Um, I am toying with the idea of doing a virtual uh, option for that, but it makes me kind of nervous because live streams can be tricky, especially when they're not on my home network that I can trust. Um, but I would like to make that happen for you, so keep your eye out and see um, if I actually decide to do that or not. That will be March 4th, so we've got plenty of time to figure that out. I am in the works of planning a spring seminar. If you've been following me for a while and you remember that I did that two-day seminar back in July of last year, this will be exactly that, but it'll be spring, so it won't be super fucking hot. Um, And also in July, I should be in the thick of planning a wedding, so we're not doing any dog training then. But I'm gonna, I'm probably, I'm working out the, the details and getting that all set up and that will be announced pretty soon because I want people to have plenty of time to prepare, especially those 
you that are probably going to try to come from out of town. I want you to have all the time in the world to make your arrangements. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I think that'll be really, really fun. I got a lot of really good feedback last time that I think will help make this seminar even better. People really enjoyed it and they, they really, them highlighting the things they enjoyed about it will make this, um, a really great seminar. Um, also I will link Alicia's Instagram and her TikTok in this description as well so that you can go follow her and hype her up. Um, we already have so many thoughts on other episodes that we could do. Um, and I think that it'll be a really nice perspective, uh, and a change of pace a little bit talking to another dog trainer sometimes also. So I really hope you enjoy this. Um, it was a lot of fun to record. We do have some hiccups because we were recording, um, digitally, uh, through the phone and this app has an option for me to just like invite people to like a meeting. Uh, to record and it's super unstable. This is only the second time I've ever tried to do it. And so we basically got to the point where I just said, fuck it, I'm gonna record it on my laptop and I'm just gonna call you. So the audio is not super great, but um, I think it's worthwhile to listen to it anyways. So, all right, love you, thank you for listening. Hi, Andy Halverson. <laughs> it shows up as Andy Halverson? Yeah. That's my ex-husband. That's so awkward. Yeah. Well, that's weird. Well, yeah. hopefully when I get married again, <laughs> it'll, <laughs> it'll show up as, yeah, it'll show up as Kyle <laughs> Peterson. That's great. Hey, now your phone's cut now again. You know what? I'm going to move. Okay. I don't know. Even though I wanted to be on my couch where it was comfy and gutters on my lap, I can go to the office. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, weird. that's weird. <clears throat> He's not even on that phone plan anymore, and I'm the one that set up the phone plan, and it still just says his name on everything. Yeah. See, your phone really isn't that great right now. Oh. You're just, like, kind of cutting out. Like, it's a little glitchy. Weird. It's my fault. Yeah, I can hear you great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like weird. Hmm. Like I could I could talk to you, but I think it's gonna be like it's gonna be like sounding a little awkward on my part because I need to like kind of decipher what you're saying a little bit. Weird. But um, now it doesn't. Now I feel like we're having a good conversation. Like I, I can hear you clearly. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully it stays that way then. Okay. Okay, well, I have the part. I'm just going to chop all the little pieces that we have together so I don't okay. make my my joke a third time because that's just corny. Um, <laughs> and then you said that you've been training dogs professionally for eight years, and that's when I lost you. Oh, weird. Okay. Well, anyway, um, you want me to start on your recording? Yep, we're recording. Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, um, my name is Alicia Panisha. I've been training dogs professionally for about eight years, um, a solid eight years. Um, and I would say I've done a little bit of everything. When I first got into dog training, I really wanted to do service dog stuff. And then I like fell based first into behavioral things. Yeah. And uh, I mean, how can you not if you right. like, really want to do dog training? That's kind of... I know whenever That's anybody's kind of getting into it and they're like, I just want to do puppies though. I'm like, huh, good uh, luck. Yeah. <laughs> I would say 
I've trained like three puppies. Yes. No, I get three like puppies a year. Three puppies a year. That's it. Yeah. But yeah. No. Anyway, so they're you do not, behavior stuff. Not, yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I where I left off. That's what I do. I'm, I don't really do dog training anymore. Um, I do it for select few people because the burnout was real. And yeah. I was like, I don't think I'm cut out for this because I care so much. And uh, yeah, I, it went downhill. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying myself right now. I would say like, I get again, a select few people in and basically we, we meet up and I'm like, if you do your part and I do my part, like I would for sure do my part, Yep. but you gotta like, you gotta help me out. Like it's a give and take. And we, the, the people that I train with, They've been spectacular, even like the bad ones. Like they've been, and I don't want, I don't want to say anybody's bad. But you, know, <laughs> you get it. I mean, yes. it's like it gets stressful with certain people, but yeah. everything's been really good because now I'm experienced and I know where to set a boundary and right. you know where to disassociate, not disassociate, but disconnect yeah. from the situation because at the end of the day, I'm not going home. Right. with this life these dogs right whatever i'm training right it's their responsibility i'm just here for the knowledge and the information and the way you know the how to the, the instruction part so right i think that takes a really long time to get to that point as a dog trainer too like i don't think i hit no. that point where i had like the right attitude about it where i would say that I don't care more about the situation than the owner does, you know, cause that's what everybody tells you. Like don't put more emotional investment into it than the client actually does. I would say that, but that wasn't actually true until probably three years ago where yeah, I, I finally hit like a, a healthy understanding of what that actually means and put it into practice. And I'm not going to force anybody to do it my way. I'm not going to like, I don't really, I mean, I care very deeply about all of my clients that I work with, but at the end of the day, if they don't, if it doesn't work the way that, you know, if I can't articulate it the way that they receive it the best or whatever, they don't like what I'm suggesting and they go and they move on and they either do it themselves or they go work with a different trainer and that clicks better for them. I'm not upset about it. I'm just like, yep, that's business. That's life. And I'm not going to. I used to get really upset when I would see other, like my clients with other dog trainers, because it was like, well, why wasn't I good enough? Why? Like, I felt like I was really helping you or I really cared a lot about your dog and I really wanted the opportunity to help you. And I'm like, well, okay, see ya. That's good. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Like when I first started out, I was the same way. I was like, upset if people weren't understanding or they wanted to go with somebody else or it just didn't work out yep and then after a few years of doing it like I did start to pick up on like the balance of it all yeah what is going on with us Hi. Hi. We're back. <laughs> We're back again. We are back again. This is just going to be the blooper episode of like, we don't even talk about anything good. It's just like, here's 30 minutes of us trying to have a fucking conversation. Yeah. 
Oh, my whole entire life is a blooper. So <laughs> it's like perfect. So you were saying you you are starting to pick up on the balance of it all. Yes. So when I started to pick up on the balance of like working with the client, you know, putting all of my effort into it, understanding that they take what they take, you know, and I do my best and then coming yeah. home at the end of the day and being me and relaxing, I started to burn out from yeah. just in general, just all of it. You get it. I mean, a yeah. lot of dog trainers get it. Yeah. And so during my burnout, I was almost like hoping people weren't going to go with me. Yeah. I've had moments like that where and I'm like, like, no, do not hire I me. I hated that. I'm <laughs> like, why do not, why do I, why am I me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why am I meeting with these people? I want to train them. I want to train their dogs. I want them to have a good life with their animal, but I like don't want to do it right. anymore. Yeah, I've definitely, you know? like, responded to emails and, like, halfway through and I'm like, I don't want a client right now. I do not want this yeah. work. I want this nope. to go to somebody else. Yeah, and it was it was hard because I relied on that income. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's a business. Right. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, I need the money, but I'm just can't, I don't want to do it anymore. And yeah. I shouldn't feel that way. You know what right. I mean? And it was different than a job that you, like, like my job that I work for now. I mean, I work for the County, which right. is like a great job, you know? Yeah. Um, but I go to work, I work and I clock out and I go home. Right. And I don't have to think about what goes on Monday through Friday, eight to four. I come home and I'm me yep. outside of that. Yeah. And I felt like I was starting to make like my dog training business, my whole personality. Yeah. And I know that you brought this up before. Yeah. And I totally freaking agree with it. Like, I love that. Yeah. Um, you, you kind of opened eyes to that. Like, I didn't want that to be who I am. Right. It's especially if who I was was a burnt out version. Right, right. Not even the good version. Like, my right. personality is a not great dog trainer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. want that. Yeah. I think my realization, I think the reason why I got so good at that boundary in the last three years is because that correlates with when I moved in with Kyle and I was no longer solely responsible for all of my living expenses. And what also burnt me out really quickly prior to that was that I bit off way more than I could chew. And I got a facility too early in my career that was way too expensive. And I really felt like, oh yeah, we could definitely do this. But I got the facility and I had a business partner. So I'm thinking, you know, we'll split the cost, we'll work equal amounts and we'll, we'll be able to afford this facility. But I didn't really think about all the things that go into maintaining a facility beyond the financials. And so having the time, like I was at work constantly because I was either working at work or I was cleaning at work and making it, you know, keeping it nice so that it, and it never really was fully nice because we couldn't afford to make it fully nice, but that, and then I did also didn't anticipate splitting with my husband at the time, like in the same year that I signed a three-year lease for a $4,000 a month facility. Yeah, and absolutely. so then I had to make up all of my own expenses that I was used to sharing with somebody else. And so 
I had to work through the burnout, which made me burn out even faster because I had to pay those bills. And that's why I say that COVID was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because I was able to get out of that facility a year early because I went to them and I was like, there is no fucking way I'm recovering from this. Like, you do not want me to be your tenant. I will not be able to pay rent. And they were like, yeah, "Yeah, get the fuck out of here. And so we got out. But it, I, so I moved up here with Kyle and having somebody to share the expenses with and also just being out of the city and what that did for my mindset and my mental health was huge. And so that's where I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I am going to be picky with the work that I do and save myself from working with people that burn me out. And it wasn't even like bad clients. It was just like they, the cases weren't that exciting to me. You know, like, I just, I don't, I don't really like your generic client anymore. I don't want to do just your basic run of the mill dog training. I want to work with people that like really excite me. They're excited to work with me and I'm super excited to work with them. And that's when I finally stopped feeling burnt out for the most part. I still sometimes tell our clients quality over quantity, right? Right. We don't really practice that with our as a business owner like we're just taking the the client that we're getting just because it's the quality of it we're not really sifting through and saying is this a good match right and I got to the point where like I would sign somebody up for a four session package and then I would meet with them for the first session or for our consultation or whatever and I'd be like man I did not enjoy spending that hour with you. And I have to do that three more times because you already paid me. And I, if I'm not happy to be here, then I'm not going to be the best version of myself for you. And then I'm, you know, and then I'm more likely to reschedule a lesson because I'm, you know, just kind of dreading it and all that. And, um, then I'm really not helping anybody. You know, I took your money and I'm not, I'm rescheduling every time because it's just not bringing me joy. And then I would feel a ton of guilt about rescheduling people. And that's when I really was like, you know, if you just only took the cases that you were really excited about, that wouldn't happen. And you wouldn't have that cycle, that never ending cycle. So that's really kind of what pushed the the lesson home for me. And then just the fact that I, I don't have to work as much as I used to, I can be a little bit more picky about the people that I work with. Yeah. And I'm all about referrals. I love having the resources and the friendships um, in the industry. And Mm. I think that it's disheartening to see that a lot of dog trainers don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I think it's a huge help on all accounts. I mean, I refer out all the time. Yeah. And I love being able to do that because I know for a fact that I'm not a good fit for everybody. And I, again, just like what you said, I don't want to be not the best version of myself when I'm working with those people. Right. I wouldn't say that I've maintained many connections locally. Um, I don't really have a lot of friends that are dog trainers, but I also know that our area is so saturated with dog trainers that it's really not hard for somebody to find a decent one. And there's not really anybody that I know of that's like a big name dog trainer. 
in our area that I'm like, absolutely do not go to that person. Like everybody that is like the popular, you know, top five dog trainers down in the Twin Cities, they're decent enough. Like they're not doing stuff that's shady. And and so I don't feel like I have to hold that weight of being the one that makes the referral um, because I don't really enjoy maintaining the connections with yeah. some of the dogs. Like, I don't have anything against them. I just don't really want it's to talk about thing. dog yeah, training. I mean, it's not like a friendship or a yeah. relationship that you... I mean, I, I definitely, like, keep it. tabs yeah. on people I enough. I feel the same exact way. Yeah, I keep tabs on people enough that if somebody were to directly ask me who they should hire, I could give a list of names. But I don't, like, okay. go out of my way to make sure I, I know exactly how everybody is. Because I think that majority of the people in my area are pretty ethical, at least. Um, yeah. There's probably people on the outskirts that are weird and shady, but they're on the outskirts. So the likelihood of somebody going from me to them is less likely. And I would say, like, my standing in maybe, like, the top 10 dog trainers in the Twin Cities has probably dropped quite a bit just because I'm not as – I'm not pushing that hard to stay up there. Um but because I did have a facility, people do know who I am. And a lot of my like regular clients are very active in, you know, various dog sports and social media, Facebook groups for our area. And so I know that my name gets thrown out enough that I at least am like, like, if you're going to pick me, you're probably not going to also pick that super random person on the outskirts, that's nothing like me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So I, I actually feel somewhat the same way, like mostly the same way. Yeah. I would say I do have like a little bit of an in, like knowing who definitely not to go to out here. Yeah. And I feel that maybe it's on a, like more towards a smaller scale versus like a larger scale. But I do, I know how a lot of people operate out here. Yeah. And, um, I would say 90% of them I refer, I would be like, go to them, you know? Yeah. yeah. They're not going to do anything horrible. Yeah. There might, they might not be like the most effective. They wouldn't maybe be my first choice, but they're not going to do anything bad. Right. You know, they're not going to screw you over and they're not going to kick your dog, but. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm still making those connections. I had a couple dog trainers reach out to me recently and they're like, they were asking questions, not Mm-hmm. Non like referral based. It was just like, it was like kind of uh, a, a whole different topic. Um, mm-hmm. But it led to, hey, let's get together and do some training. And I'm like, well, I just have my dogs, really. You know, I, I yeah. rarely do a board and train right. um, anymore. And if I do do training, it's more of a charity thing right now. And I know that's probably not very good for burnout, but it makes me actually feel less pressured. Yep. Um, so I'm kind of just helping friends and friends, family, friends, and, yeah. you know, that pressure, kind of that pressure to get a result because somebody has paid you is huge. Like I, that oh, makes yeah. perfect sense to me that how, well, where somebody might say like training, you know, doing training for charity is going to lead to burnout. I could totally see how that does the exact opposite because it's, you're doing somebody a favor, so they're not likely to turn around and be like, um, you didn't help me the way that I expected you would help me. Exactly. Where, like, I will take a board and train, and sometimes I wish that I had more just because it's a really nice paycheck, but 
board and trains, especially in your home environment, is the most amount of pressure that you can put on yourself. And yeah. that leads to the most amount of burnout for me. When I was doing, like through COVID, when nobody was doing in-person lessons and classes, I was doing so many board and trains because that's all people were doing. And I needed to still pay for the facility that I couldn't use because people weren't coming in person. Not in also my, all my own expenses. And at one point I had, so I have nine personal dogs plus my foster, but I didn't have him at the time. And I had boarders and I had board and trains and I was sitting in my house in the cities. This was after I moved back home for a little while. Cause I, when I moved up here with Kyle, I wasn't like moving in for real. I was just quarantining and I wasn't even quarantining, but it was just like, I was doing like a little staycation because I had to close my business down. And so I was like, okay, I need to face reality and go back down to my house and like be normal again and not just be avoiding responsibilities up here in the country. Yeah. And I was sitting in my bedroom and I realized that I had nine additional dogs in my house. So I had 18 dogs in my house in the city and half of those additional dogs were board and trains. And I was like, how the fuck did I allow myself to be here? Like, of course I'm feeling extremely overwhelmed. That's too many fucking dogs. That is way too many fucking board and trains. Like, that was not the right choice to make. But I was just, like, hoarding every board and train client because I didn't know when it was going to run out. And I had no, nobody knew what to expect from COVID. And it was, like, right in the middle of the thick of everything. And I was like, yeah, yeah that, we can't do that. And so... As soon as I got to a place where I could take a break, I went cold turkey and I stopped taking board and trains. And that makes it a little bit harder now that I actually do want board and trains. Like I was out of it for so long that I'm not like on the forefront of people's minds as somebody that offers board and trains. But I'm okay with that because I don't want to get into that hole ever again. That was, I was, oh, yeah. I was not training those dogs to the degree that I wish I was training those dogs because I just simply couldn't. That was too many. And I did the best I could, but in the back of my head, all I was you thinking about was like how, how much I wish I was doing. And I was constantly thinking about like, man, I hope these clients, when I bring this dog back, I hope this dog is, is showing enough that they're, they're happy that they still sent the dog, you know? And even when I have one board and train, I still sometimes feel like, like if I'm sitting down and just having me time in my own home and there's a board and train in my basement, I'm thinking about how I could be training that dog. And it's like, no, you're allowed to sit down and eat dinner. Like you can, you can live your life. And it would, I think it would be different if I had like a facility, you know, the big facilities that do board and trains, but it, the amount of pressure that I feel to get up and go do stuff with the dogs ends up being really hard and doing more than one board and train at a time just exacerbates that whole process. Absolutely. So I, I kind of, it's, I would like more, but I'm also not mad that people aren't beating down my door to do a board and train because I'm afraid that I wouldn't say no. Yeah. So. I think this is a really good topic for people to listen to if they are looking to get into the business or mm -hmm. if they're newer at mm -hmm. 
the business because obviously the trend right now is to do dog training. Yeah. Um, and board and trains being at the top of that list because it's a very large sum of some lump of money. Right. Um, for such little work. And right. I mean that because people are so deceiving about yeah. what they do, you know? Right. And, and, and I know people personally who I no longer associate with, but they would quote board and train dogs, unquote. Yeah. And they would just be boarding and throwing the dog on a prong collar and dragging it around everywhere they go. And it's, yeah, that's not how that is supposed to be. Right. You know? Right. Um, well, and I'm picky yeah. about the board and trains that I do take also for that reason, because I want to maintain like managing expectations of the client is a huge piece of board and trains that I it took me a long time to learn that skill and to do it well. And I think it's something that people don't really think about. But you have to go into that relationship with the person with very clear expectations of what's going to come out of it. Because a board and train is not a cure-all. Like, I can get dogs to behave in a way that I only get that from them because I have eight years of professional experience handling dogs. And I can get a really nice response to, like, working on reactivity. I can take a dog anywhere and see zero reactivity with them and hand them off to their client and the dog's barking at dogs the next day. You know, like if I'm not clear about what this is actually going to be. And I think a lot of young trainers don't realize the, like the key different Biggie's barking right now. And he literally starts barking every time I start to say something. So I'll like pause Oh my God. And he doesn't have an e-collar on right now because I'm dumb and I was charging them and I didn't put them on him before I started recording. Um, but I don't think they realize that a lot of the stuff that makes dog trainers good at being dog trainers is simply just practiced at very basic level skills, you know? So like they think that they're really like doing something and they're really not, you know, like I, like that's not training. I just know how to handle a leash. You know, I, and, mm-hmm. and because of that, I can put dogs in situations where they have like good learning experiences. So that's usually what I'll tell the people. Like when I had that border collie, well, no, not even that border collie. Cause we didn't, that was a different conversation, but I'll tell people if they send their dogs here for reactivity work, I'll tell them like, I will likely not see your dog react at all while they're here. And yeah. A lot of that is just because they're in a new environment. A lot of that is just because I know what to look for and I have good timing and I can get it before it even blows up. But what that means is I can lay a really nice foundation of obedience that will apply when they bring, when, you know, I can teach you how to access that information. But then I can also give your dog the exposure that you can't right now. Like I can take your dog out in public And I can give them exposure to triggers that you don't have the skills to do that yet. And so I still fast forward progress, but I'm not going to just like completely take the reactivity away in three weeks time. Absolutely. And And, I'm going to send you a video of your, your dog not blowing up at a dog. And I'm going to be like, look, it's possible for them to be like this. And you're going to think like, oh my God, they're cured. And that's not, that's not what's happening. So just know that (laughs) you need to know they're not, they're not totally done, but I need to go yell at this. Wait a minute. 
I can't walk away from my computer. I'm recording. I can't walk away from my computer. I'm recording. I was like, oh, I'll just take my phone and go um, yell at this dog. And then I realized this is not just a phone call. This is a podcast episode. Okay, hold on one second. I'm going to stop my recording. Okay. So uh, so where we left off was, uh, you know, you talking about newer trainers and, and how there isn't clear expectations for their clients and things like that. And I noticed that so often. Yeah. And it's something that we need to really tap into and, and, and understand that that as our job as a dog trainer, it's our responsibility to make sure that these people that we're working with, they deserve clarity just as much as the dogs do. Right. And this came up a couple weeks ago. We were in one of my group chats um, because a friend of ours is starting to a dog training business. Sure. And the most important key points were make sure you actually know how a business is run. Yeah. You know, make sure you understand how to provide a service how to advertise those services, who to advertise those services to, what to do if there's a a problem. And there's so many of them. And most importantly, know how to give the client somewhat of a finished product. You know, like you have to, you have to reach a goal. You can't just, can't just leave things out in the air, you know? Right. Right. Um, And I think that's like, the problem in this industry is just yeah. people don't really think it through. They right. just think, well, I own dogs. Yeah. I'm good with my dogs. They could have I even gone through a program and they technically know how to train dogs, but that yeah, doesn't mean do. that they are ready to run a business. Yeah. But do you know how to train dogs in a three week period? Right. Do you know how to time crunch? Do you know how to prioritize? Do you know how to trial and error? Do you know yeah. how to weigh out your pros and cons and, and yeah. figure out is this worth picking a fight with is this you know what I mean is yeah. this worth sticking to my guns about you know and I think one of the very reasons for animal abuse and neglect mm-hmm. in our industry is because people get dogs in they're not decompressing yeah. they're not they're not allowing the dog to feel comfortable and they're not understanding that some dogs really are not gonna wait until they're hungry you know some right, dogs are right. going to starve themselves for two weeks like we can't yep. do that yep yeah and so then you find people either adding more aversive or taking away motivators and yep. you're getting starved dogs or injured dogs and this really honestly is a whole other tangent i could go on but yeah if but you yeah, know I think who i right. am <laughs> yeah yeah if you know who i am on facebook <laughs> if you know who i am on tiktok it is very important for me to 86 these people that I've met that are not doing a good job or you know being caught with in situations where they're not providing the best basic care for animals yeah and I will absolutely out you no problem we could be friends yeah and there's no explanation good enough for me that you can't provide good basic care for an animal right Especially if you're calling yourself a dog professional. Right. Well, and that's what I, I think it's very easy. Like whenever I see, you know, another expose on a dog trainer that, you know, fucked up. It's every day almost. Yeah. And I think that 
I will, I mean, I never side with the dog trainer, but being a dog trainer and experiencing the burnout and knowing what goes into making the decisions behind a lot of the services that these, you know, like an in-home board and train, I, I see how quickly things can snowball if you're not staying honest if you're not actively questioning all the choices that you make about why am I doing this job why am I taking this dog why am I you know if you don't have like a a good screening process for the type of dogs that you take for your board and trains if you don't have a good uh understanding of like what clients to work with how to manage expectations if you don't have like you said like the background of knowing and just like the ethics of knowing that you have to make sure that a dog eats, you know, you can't just keep them not eating forever. You can't take dogs that are going to self mutilate in a crate. Like you, I would never, if there is an, if there is a risk that a dog is going to hurt itself, they cannot come to my house. I am not going to put myself in that situation. Something that is so important for people. And just one example of something that's important for people. Right, right. But like if it, if there's even an inkling to me that a dog is not healthy in my care, they go home. Like I'm walking away from that paycheck. I'm calling the owner and being like, Hey, your dog has had bloody diarrhea for three days. They need to go home. Like I'm not. Yeah. uh -uh. And for one, it's because I cannot train a dog that is sick. I'm not going to put a dog through training when they're sick. If they're so stressed that they have bloody diarrhea, then they're not in the right place to be trained. So that's a huge piece. But the other underlying thing is I don't want this dog to get worse in my care and have this turn into something else. Like, absolutely, this is just not the right environment for this dog. And there have been multiple occasions, not a lot, but multiple occasions where I have been faced with that decision and one dog I did send home and the owners were kind of like, what the hell? Like we want this dog trained. And I'm like, "Mm, no, I am not going to train a sick dog. I am not going to force this poor dog that feels like absolute dirt to do these things. And so they need to come home. And then the other one, I has, we had everything all squared away to get the dog sent home the next day. And he woke up and had a perfect, solid, beautiful poop. And I was like, oh, okay he might be okay. Let's play it by ear. But I'm always super transparent with people when their dogs show any sign of illness or injury, because I want it like all right out there in the open. Like, hey, I noticed that your dog's having, unless it's just like a little bout of diarrhea. But if it's like, okay, this has become a thing. Your dog had some bloody diarrhea that's not totally abnormal. Sometimes that's stress related. I'm going to keep an eye on it, but I want to keep you in the loop. And so I just know that stuff can snowball like that. Or if I notice anything funky about like, if the dog so much as gets a hot spot, I show it to the owner right away. You know, like I, I'm not gonna run a business where I try to hide little things like that. Exactly. And you know, I'm not perfect. Okay. We're not, nobody's perfect. And when you agree to get into a business like this where you're caring for animals or people, yep. you have to understand that things do happen. Right. And it's your job to be vigilant and yep. observant enough to yep. 
catch them as soon as possible. Yeah. And then if it does, you know, if, if something happens where there is an issue, it's your job to have proper play-by-plays, documentation, yep. Yep. Um, pictures or video, yep. um, and transparency, immediate contact and transparency with the client. Because at the end of the day, what happens like from an outside perspective where they look and they say, okay, tell me the, tell me your side of the story. Right. You want to be on top of it. Yeah. If what was you, that? Let's say there's so many daycares out there that yeah. they're like, it, this is, you know what, actually two days ago, maybe it was even yesterday. I had somebody from back home. I'm from New York originally and I live in Ohio now. I think I might've forgotten. to. Mention yeah. I don't that. think we said that. Um, so uh, I had somebody from back home asked me for my opinion and they had brought their golden retriever to daycare and there was a scratch a significant scratch under the dog's eye mm-hmm. and when she had just asked she's like hey did like something happen mm-hmm. you know like that just let me know you know just curiosity they denied mm-hmm. that anything happened and they said the dog came in like that oh my god and so she said i don't want to like be a freak you right. know and like throw a fit like I'm not upset that my dog has a scratch like he's a dog like I know that happens right. in daycare which is quite literally the best client right. I've ever even asked for but the hard part for them like on their just to like just to not even really play devil's advocate but they probably have people that totally freak out about it so their knee-jerk reaction is to dismiss it like that and that is not how you handle that absolutely even if you do absolutely. have people that totally overreact it's like no, you, you trusted me to take care of your dog and you are worried that that didn't happen. What can I do to prove to you that I am trustworthy? Like, oh my God, of course, no, I, oh my God, I didn't even notice that, that I don't know where that happened. Like there's so much you could do that could still maintain that rapport with that client without necessarily like admitting that you're doing anything wrong. Comp, comp their daycare day. Yeah, just be. Tell them, yeah, like tell them, you know, oh my, I didn't know. We'll, we'll look back at the cameras and see if we can figure it out. But like, oh my God, is he doing okay? Like, God forbid you care about a dog. Like, it's like, that's. Encourage a vet visit. Right. You know, but so what happened, and I'll just kind of let you know what what happened. So she wasn't even mad that that happened she was upset that they lied oh of and course they were being deceitful and i can i think we can all agree that that is what makes all of us upset yeah yeah if yeah it's our pets or not but it just so happens to be enhanced when it's an actual animal you know right and so um she she's not gonna bring her dog back there and it's right. not because her dog got injured it's because her dog got injured and they lied about it right. so really i mean that's just another example of if you're going to get into the industry, you need to one, pay attention. There really should have been eyes on dogs playing all day. Yeah. Um, two, like just be honest and transparent. And if you truly don't know, try to make up for your lack of responsibility really, because I mean, being in a daycare and even though my ex and I don't get along anymore, his daycare was run insanely well. Right. I mean, there were no extra added stimulus. Yep. There was no um, lack of supervision. Yep. There were CCTV on everything. Yep. There were dogs that were really 
equipped to be in those situations, you know, like, and if, if we felt for any reason that there was a dog that couldn't be, you know, they would absolutely get put away and we would make a call home. Hey, your dog's not doing well today. Or, you know, so I got very lucky being in an environment as such that was run successfully and everybody was happy and healthy. But again, those, those businesses that are run top tier, they're not exempt to shit happening. They're not exempt to crazy clients. Oh yeah. I've had plenty of situations where I've had to like, or like I've caught something as a dog is going home and I'm like, oh, just, you know, I just noticed this. I don't know why this happened, but like, this is weird and not injuries. I don't think I've ever had a dog get really injured with me. The closest was probably I had a dog come stay with me for a board and train. And I'm very clear with people, their dogs are going to be in crates a lot. That's another one that it's like, I make sure I manage that expectation right away because I've had in the past, and I I just have learned a lot about my own business because of how I've done trial and error in the past. But in the past, I've had people get surprised that their dogs were crated more than they they thought they would be. So I'm right out of the gates. I'm like, your dog's going to be crated a lot more than they are at home. It's for their safety. It's for the benefit of their learning. Like they have to be in crates if they come here, just so you know that. And so- this dog was crated a lot more than he was at home where he was just the single dog and he was like eight, nine months old. And all of a sudden, like the couple days prior to him going home, he was not walking right. Like his gait was funny. He was running weird. And my old friend um, at the time is a vet who specializes in like rehab and, and that's just her specialty. It's like, I knew she would know. So I sent her a video and I'm like, this is weird, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, that's weird. And so I didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but turns out the dog had hip dysplasia that nobody knew about. And it was just exacerbated. Like the soreness was exacerbated by being in a crate all the time. I didn't do anything wrong. Nobody knew the dog had hip dysplasia. And in fact, me being diligent led to the dog's hip dysplasia being diagnosed. And so now he's on the right kind of care and supplements and all that to make sure that he is comfortable in life. And I could have sent the dog home super sore and painful and then later gotten a text where they were like, our dog is super fucked up. What happened? But instead I was, I noticed it and I told him right away, like, I hope, you know, like, I don't know. I didn't know, like we didn't know. So I hope that him being in a crate didn't make things really worse. And like, I talked to my friend about it too. Like I didn't hurt this dog. Did I? And she's like, well, you didn't know for one, but I got on top of it right away. I've had, I used to have a daycare program and we had a dog once that was petrified. Like they came for one day to try it. And they were absolutely petrified. They did not want to come out of their crate. They didn't come out the entire day. We couldn't get a leash on them to bring them outside to go potty. If we did get a leash on them to bring them outside, they wouldn't go potty. And so by the time the dog went home that day, like we did everything we could to make sure that that dog was comfortable. But when they went home, we were like, they were not happy. But when I pulled the dog out of the crate, she had peed on herself because she hadn't gone potty all day. And so when I brought her out to them, I just explained everything. I was like, we had tried. We brought her out as many times as we could if she would let us take her out. But she was so scared that she didn't go to the bathroom until she had she was desperate and she had an accident. And then in that same breath, I said, I don't think this is the right setting for your dog. 
I didn't yeah, I didn't say like, oh, it's fine though. She can come back and we'll just let her keep pissing on herself. I was like, this was a bad, bad day. We did everything we could to avoid it. I'm not surprised she had an accident. I feel bad that she had an accident, but let's not put her through this again. And they were like, for sure. And so, and then I had another one that would never pee, but she didn't have an accident. But then they, I, they called me later and they were like, she just peed for like eight years. Did she get to go out? And I was like, we brought her out, but she didn't go to the bathroom, you know? Like, so that's a different conversation, but it's right. like, you can't immediately get defensive. Like people, is, people are going to assume the worst just because they see so many horrible stories and being a human in that moment and truly caring about the dog and caring about the trust that you're creating with your client is what makes it go away faster. And not like yeah. go away, like sweep it under the rug, but it's so, it ends the conversation faster than trying to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. And just giving, making sure people have low expectations going yeah. into anything because right. at the end of the day, dog ownership is survives off of low expectations. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You got to start way down here because right. they, let them surprise you. Right. Put in the work, let them surprise you. And that is honestly with my Malinois that I got, you know, six years ago. Yeah. Um, that is what I told myself over and over and over again. And she turned into a French ring one dog. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know that she's a crap shoot. I know that she doesn't have good genetics. I know that she's extremely small for yeah. the breed. Yeah. But I'm going to do, I'm going to work hard to get where we are, but I'm going to keep low expectations. Yeah. And just put in the best work that I can and see where it takes us. And yeah. it, it took us. And, you know, and I tell my clients that all the time, I'm like, just have low expectations, let it go work hard, you know, let, yeah. let all the shit go that you think. Well, just but even having it. conversations like that, you have to know how to handle that. Because if you went to somebody and you were like, have low expectations, they're like, so are you a good dog trainer? <laughs> you know, like you have to know how to have that conversation with people too, where you're not downplaying your skills, but you're also setting people up to have the right expectations. The other thing I was going to add on about like, cause we're kind of switching gears here, which is great, but the one thing I was going to add about board and trains too is if I feel like I haven't done a good enough job with a dog, I have asked for more time with a dog. Like there yeah. have been times where I've had board and trains come and then something, a curveball gets thrown at me halfway through their program. And I, I miss a whole week of, of really good training because I didn't mm-hmm. have time. Something came up and, you know, obviously the dog's care is still, they're still getting cared for. But I just didn't have the time to train the dog the way I wanted to. And I have called the client and been like, can I just, I'm not going to charge you, but can I just have another yeah. week with your dog? Because I don't, I'm not ready to send this dog home yet. I'm not satisfied that this is worth the $3,000 that you paid me. And so I would like more time. And every single time they say yes, you know, like every single time they're like, hell yeah, I'll take a free week. Like, cool. Thank you for being honest. I only had one person, you know. Yeah. 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 And I've had, I agree, but uh, it was just funny. It was just funny because it was a recent client. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with you. And I think that, um, I think if you're not doing that, then like, come on now. Right. Right. Um, Or even if you don't have the time for it, like, you know, if you don't have the availability for that week, at least offer more follow-up lessons, you know, like, 
or I just had a somebody reach out to me who's a newer dog trainer, just started their business within the last year, I think. I don't know much about their history prior to that because I've only known of them for maybe like a year. And he asked me for some advice because he took a dog in to work on, uh, I don't think, I don't know if it necessarily has separation anxiety, but it definitely has confinement anxiety. And he was like, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be because she's not this bad at home. And I was like, I would send the dog home. Like he was staying up all night helping this dog be comfortable and he couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, I would send the dog home and either if you can't refund them, like if you cannot afford to refund them right now, at least ask if you can do like work off the difference with private training. You know, like I do not think that board and train is the right environment for this dog. And I've done that too. I've sent dogs home from certain things early, or I've kicked people out of classes because I just think that it's not the right environment, but I always offer them a substitute. I always say like, I'm not saying I can't work with you. I'm not saying I can't help you. I'm not saying get out of here, but, um, this is not the, this is not the way to do it. And I think this is doing way more harm than good. And you have spent way too much money on this for me to keep trying to do this. Um, I think we need to switch to private lessons. And, yeah, or, I mean, and that's what would make it makes you a reputable. Yeah. Business, or I've had, you know? like, when I used to do day training, I had a dog that it was going to be like six days of day training, and I would have the dog for a couple hours each day. And I did two days, and the dog was not, not severe at all. Like, it was not, it was just reactivity, but it was not doing, it was done. Like I, I grabbed the leash and the dog was perfect. I didn't give the dog a treat anytime. I didn't have to correct. I wasn't even using tools back then. But like I didn't have to give the dog any feedback because she was just doing great. And I went to the owner and I was like, I'm wasting your money. Like this isn't, Yeah. I this dog is fine. I think we need to do private lessons so that I can help you see that the dog is fine. And yeah. I'm gonna, I wanna take the money that you would And it's more work for me to do private lessons because the difference in rate means that I have to see you more often, but I'm willing to do that because I think this is a waste of time. And I could take your money and just walk around with your dog for two hours and be like, yep, boom, done. Great. But then what would our follow-up lesson look like? I would have nothing to say. So I would like, this doesn't make any sense. The issue is clearly that you need help accessing what your dog already knows. And of course, they were grateful for that. They don't want to get yeah. ripped off. So, yeah, that's another really good example of something that you are responsible for recognizing as yeah. a professional dog trainer. Right, right. And be, and if you would like to be a reputable one, you know what I mean? Right. If you would like to be respected by your clientele, um, that's yeah. just something that you should be doing or recognizing. Right. And like dog. customer service skills, too. Like my whole working life, I've been in customer service roles. And that's a huge reason why I became self-employed is because I was in really shitty customer service roles where I was getting basically beat up every day and management wasn't supporting me. So I was like, fuck this. I'm going to be my own boss. So when people are assholes, I don't have to deal with it. And, but I see so many situations that could have been avoided 
either like the dog trainers posting about them and shitting on the client for not understanding. And I'm looking at the interaction and I'm like, actually, you kind of were a dick though. Like you kind of fucked that up. Like I'm, I'm on the client side. I'm seeing like, I get what you're saying. I get, I see the misunderstanding clear as day though. And you fucked up. And I, I totally lost my train of thought, but like having good customer service skills where you can, you anticipate problems. So you already have a policy in place for shit like that. And then you also know how to, like, you know, where the actual boundaries, the appropriate boundaries on when you need to stand up for yourself and when you need to tell the client they were right and you fucked up. Basically you need to apply your dog training skill to your people. Yeah. Because you should be anticipating all the bad stuff at all times. You should be like, you know, I think we, I talked about this on the phone with you a couple weeks ago, but I was like, you know how people say like, don't think about what can go wrong. Think about what can go right and be positive and, you know, be a positive person. No, think about what goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's gonna go wrong. If if it can go wrong, it will. What is that? Right. I, there's like some saying. Don't I'm. I can't remember, but, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. I don't know what it is, but I. Live by it. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, that's just for but, one. That's just dog ownership. You know, like if I have expectations of doing anything productive, my dogs are gonna throw a monkey wrench right in that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's like running a business. You have to know. You have to anticipate those situations and have a policy for it. You have to know when to, like I said, you have to know when to stand up for yourself and when to die on a hill and when not to. And like, I've died on some pretty silly hills, but I still stand by, I maybe overreacted to them at the time because I was newer, but I still stand by my decision. Like I fired a client, hold on one second, I'm just going to. I fired a client once because she was pissed that I wouldn't give her my phone number and like found an opportunity to bring it up in every fucking conversation. And I was like, I don't want you blowing up my phone. And I know that you are the type of person that's going to blow up my phone. (laughs) Like, That's it. That's all that it is. I don't have a phone number listed anywhere online. And because people just, they don't understand, you know, they just, and it's not because they're idiots. They just simply do not understand that you're, they go onto Google, they type in dog trainer near me. I pop up, they see a phone number and they're like, oh great. And they call it. They don't understand that I'm sitting in bed watching TV, eating a bowl of ice cream right now. And I don't want to talk to you. They think I'm a business because my business information is listed right in front of their face. They're not thinking that I'm sitting at home doing nothing right now. They're also not thinking like, oh, she's probably out working a dog right now. And so I don't answer my phone. So then people end up leaving voicemails. And that's, for me, way harder to respond to if you leave me a voicemail. I will never get back to you if you leave me a voicemail. But if you text me or you email me, I'm right there. So for the most part. So I don't give my phone number out until I've actually connected with a client and I have a reason to text them or to have them have my phone number. And, but this woman was like adamant and we, she came in for a consultation and she brought it up and her, and I explained to her, like, it's not feasible for me to put a phone number online because I can't answer my phone all the time. Half the time I want to be doing anything but answering the phone. Half the time I'm working. 
But I also like, I want to be able to screen the people that I'm talking to because people will get you on the phone and tell you their entire life story and then just be like, so what service do you think I should book? It's like literally any of them. I don't know. I don't need, I didn't need to know everything about every dog you've ever owned. And so you get stuck in these situations, whatever. And so I explain, like, I'm usually working, like, and if I'm not working, I'm having downtime and I have, uh, with an email, I get it on my phone, like a text. So I can shoot you an email super quick back. And I'm way more responsive that way than I am on the phone because I can't answer my phone. And he was like, well, maybe you need to consider hiring somebody to answer phone calls for you. And I was like, dude, I get like one phone call a day. You know, if my phone That's number is your business, who I should hire. Right. Right. And I'm not going to hire somebody to sit and just twiddle their thumbs until the phone might ring. And also, I don't want somebody else speaking for me. I don't want somebody else talking to my clients. So no, that's not feasible for the way that my business is set up. I'm sorry that you're upset that you couldn't just call me really quick and you had to write out an email. I didn't realize that was so challenging for you. If that would have deterred you from hiring me, whatever, you know, I accept that risk. If I go, if someone logs in or, you know, pulls up my website and they want to call me, but there's no phone number and instead they just pass and they move on to the next dog trainer. I don't care. I literally do not care. And it's almost that's part of the weeding themselves. Right. Like, I don't want clients that need to talk to me on the phone 85 times before they hire me. So, and I have had phone calls with people. There have been times where I've been emailing back and forth with people and they're like, could we just have a phone call first? Especially like before a board and train, because I don't do consultations before my board and trains. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, we can totally do that. But I just don't have it listed for every single person. And when I did, this is actually funny. So there's a rescue in our area called, uh, it's called New Leash Rescue. And my old dog training business was a new leash dog training. And people would type in, because my my uh, SEO, what's it called? SEO for my website was so good that people would type in New Leash Rescue and a new leash dog training would pop up. And I would get phone calls all the damn time. And I had a Google phone number so I could like set hours and stuff when that, like when my phone would actually ring and when it wouldn't. But people would call me all the time about how they wanted to adopt this dog or they wanted to foster that dog or this dog that they're fostering needs to go to the vet and blah, blah, blah. Or they'd get pissed off that so-and-so didn't call them back soon enough. And I'm like, you're still not talking to so-and-so. Like you're still not calling the right person. And it was so bad that I had to put in my voicemail, this is not New Leash Rescue, like in my greeting. I'm like, if you are calling about a dog from or a pet from New Leash Rescue, we are not affiliated with them. I am. This is not the same thing. Read. It says a New Leash dog training. And you go to the website and all it talks about is dog training. And somehow you still think that I'm the person you want to talk to. So... Anyway, so I fired that client because she was just all bent out of shape. And then the final straw was I was picking her dog up for day training. It was a puppy. And I give, when I used to do services where I would go to people's homes for things while they weren't there, like to pick their dog, like a dog walker, like when I was dog walking, or I used to do that for boarding where people would just leave and I would go get their dog. Um, and then day training, of course. And so she had a puppy. I always give people ranges. And for adult dogs, the range is two hours long. But for puppies, it's an hour because I don't want that puppy sitting in there needing to go potty. And they looked at the camera 
on their puppy and it was still there because it was still in the range that I gave them. And she was blowing up my email because she didn't have my phone number. Why didn't you pick up my puppy? My puppy has to go to the bathroom. Why aren't you? And I'm like, I'm literally in the car on my way to get your dog. Like relax. And I said, and I didn't say it to her, but I'm like, this is why you can't have my phone number because you would abuse it. And so I ended up just firing her because she clearly, she didn't trust me. And I hadn't given her a reason to not trust me yet. You know, like there wasn't a bad intimate relationship with a significant other. Yes. Right. And so I said, I think you just, and, and basically that's what I told her. I mean, not the significant other part, but along the same lines where I was like, when you have a puppy and you hire a dog trainer, you should be with, you should be working with somebody that you're comfortable with because you're going to need them for a long time. So if you're not comfortable with me, for one, I don't want the scrutiny because I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't want to sit here and take this when I know I'm not doing anything wrong. I told you I was going to be there between this time and this time. And that window hadn't run out yet. And so I, for one, don't want to put up with it. But also, if you don't like me, if there's something about me that you just don't like, then you shouldn't be hiring me. Like, because you're going to need me. You're going to need a dog trainer. And if you don't like me, this isn't going to work. And she's like, well, I didn't want to make it personal. I'm like, it is. It just is. The nature of this job is that it's personal. And I don't want to work in close proximity with you to solve a problem together if you aren't going to treat me well. And so I fired her for that. And I haven't fired many clients, but I have definitely fired clients. It's been a long time since I fired clients. But um, I could see that being like, if I didn't have the customer service background that I have, that could have gotten way out of control too. Oh, absolutely. So I've had people and get... I've been, we've all been there again. This yeah. is something that you need to be aware of. It's your responsibility as a dog trainer, a professional, or any, any business owner. Yeah. yeah. And those things can happen. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, there's so much more that goes into it than just actually being able to train the dog. I also right. absolutely despise when I hear people say, I train dogs for a living because I hate people. It's oh like, my God. that doesn't make any fucking sense. I train dogs I for a living because sense. I love people. Like, I am in this because I want to help people. I like dogs. I don't like dogs as much as I want to see people happy with their dogs. You know, like... If you hate people. Just imagine how much you hate dogs, people. <laughs> what did you say oh you said i hate people just yeah you hate people you hate people yeah just try to imagine how much you're gonna really hate dog people yes because, yeah yeah i love people too honestly and i tell brian this all the time I'm like you know i know that i don't want to like always like talk to people and you know i just don't, don't want to be bothered i think that's normal for most of us oh yeah but i love talking to people and he's like i know yeah and i'm like I should be a real estate agent. That's what he's like for. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I, yeah, you should. <laughs> I, yeah, every job that I've ever had, I've within like the first few months of me working there, I've been pulled aside by my manager and they've told me like, we love you. You have great energy. Like we love that you bring all that energy here. And it's like a, you know, you're so peppy, but shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> like just shut up and do your work. And I'm like, I can't. 
I can't. I simply cannot. And so now I have a job where people literally pay me to talk at their face for an hour. Like, yeah. that's, I couldn't be in a more perfect situation. But yeah, I, you can't, my love for dogs truly, like, I, I've, you know, I say I am burnt out on dogs and I'm jaded by dogs and all that. But I love dogs so deeply that I want to help their people so much so that that dog can have a really great life. It would not work for me to love dogs so much that I shit on their, their owners and make their owners feel like shit about themselves so that the dog is not having the best possible life that they could have. Like that doesn't make any sense. I think that the lines was exactly why we wanted to do this podcast. Yeah. Because the reason that I like your videos that you post so much is because you do care about your people. Yeah. And I do too. I've always cared about my people. And they speak. there's another saying that's like, your friends will become your clients or your clients will become your friends before your friends will become your clients. Yeah. And I have all of it. I yeah. have friends that have become clients and I have clients that have become friends. Yeah. And it's because I care about all of them. Yeah. Like, I don't want to ruin a friendship that I've had for 20 years because I'm not happy with how my friends are doing their dog. Right. right. Like if you're abusing your dog, of course, that's going to, that's going to seize our friendship. Yeah. But if you just like, don't do exactly what I do, I'm not going to be upset about it. I want you to do what's best for you and your dog. I'm here for you. Right. But if you don't want my advice all the time, that's fine. Right. And I think a lot of people need to understand that we don't want your unsolicited advice. Not we like, your people, your friends, right. your family. They well, don't want your unsolicited advice. And what is your mental health like if you're so worried about what other people are doing that exactly. haven't even asked you for help? Like, I go to family gatherings and they all have dogs and they'll, you know, strike up a conversation with me about dog training. And I'm polite, but I dodge every single question. You know, like, I don't want to get into it because it is not comfortable for me to be in a situation where we're talking about dogs and you're telling me things that I wouldn't necessarily do, but I don't want to like dive into that right now. I just want to be spending time with family. I like, no, I just want to like, I'll talk to you. Like I'll talk about your dog very superficially because I know that you're just happy to talk about your dog with me, but I am not going to like dive into training advice with you because I know you're not going to take it because you're just trying to make conversation right now. And if I tell it to you and you don't listen to me, I'm going to be stressed out. So we're just not going to have that conversation. But the other, like, there have been times where I've been at at family events where I'm like, "Uh, absolutely not. We are not going to do that with the dog. Like, don't even do that right in front of my face. And I have addressed certain things. But that's when it's like, uh, a child's going to get bit if you keep holding your dog down for that dog, that kid to pet your dog. Like, absolutely not let go of the dog. And... But other than that, it's like, oh, they're, you know, doing this and that with the dog and, you know, passing the dog around to adults that don't, that the dog doesn't want to be pet by. I don't really care if an adult gets bit, you know, like that will prove that you shouldn't have done that. You'll learn that lesson on your own. I'm not going to stress myself over it, but I'm not going to let a kid get bit because you're handling a dog poorly. But otherwise I'm like, no, I really don't care. Or Sometimes when I go out in public with, it's been a while, but sometimes when I go out in public with people, 
they'll like point out a dog misbehaving and be like, oh my God, look at that person. They don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, literally can't even see that person. I have blinders on. I have no idea that that dog is even here. Like when I was a, before I was training with tools and I was more of a force free trainer, I went out for drinks with a friend and there was a dog on the patio on a prong collar. It was actually a 2.25 millimeter Hermspringer collar. And I still hated prong collars at the time, but in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, they probably had a dog trainer that taught them how to use that correctly. And she was like, oh my God, there's a dog on a prong collar behind you. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, doesn't that just like hurt your heart? I'm like, no, because if it did, I would have a hurt heart all the time. Like I would not be able to leave my house if I couldn't compartmentalize the people that need my help and the people that don't. And, or they need my help, but they're not asking for it. Why would I waste my energy on that? Exactly. Exactly. It is. It's all, why waste your energy on something that doesn't directly affect you? And I would say it's been about four years that I've been in that mindset. Yeah. And it's a wonderful place to be. I don't even care about TikToks. Like if I see a TikTok with a dog trainer in it, I scroll so fast. Like, I don't want to watch it. I don't care. I know. I just yeah. do not I care. I the only thing recently that's really grinding my gears, and it's like, it's so funny because it's grinding Brian's gears, too. It's <laughs> like the epitome of doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Our neighbor has a puppy. Oh. That she just got. Oh, God. It's a bad situation, man. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Is this the and, one uh, that... You walked past your house with the choke chain on or like a direct neighbor? Yeah. It's and that now one. they're using a gentle leader and it's ah. a total, I mean, it's a total mess. Like yeah. to the point where Brian's like, I'm going to go steal that dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one's hard because she actually engaged with you. So it's like, well, now She's I'm invested neighbor. because yeah. you actually talked to me about this. Like I offered to help you and you were weird about it. So now She's I don't weird. like you. Like yeah. I, I, I felt like I could have actually been of help to you. And then you just got, you, you ended up being fucking weird. So that would bother me too. If I had to be faced with it every single day, you know, if it was like my next door neighbor and I was watching them doing annoying things with their dog all the time, it would eat at me a little bit, but I'm not going to like go knock on their door and be like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing that wrong. You know, like, yeah, it's, no. yeah, it's not something that I'm going to go out of my way to be like, you're an idiot. You right. Know? Right. Because, like, but it still bugs yeah, I you. Mean, I mean, I'm honestly, it's not, I don't know this person. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know their mental health status. I don't right. know. You know what I mean? Like, yep. they're, they're definitely older. Yeah. That's for sure. And they and they definitely shouldn't have a puppy. But at yeah. what point is it the responsibility of whoever sold for that dog? You know right. what I mean? Right. And Or her family members, person. like her, you yeah. know. Yeah. But yeah. 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 I Sorry, can't. I'm like, I'm actually driving to get my dog now, but oh, I just like there's a cage, like a like a small animal cage, like on the side oh. of the road in the so you're snow going to check that it? like has like stuff in it. Well, so yeah, you like, definitely have to just like put a small animal outside. Yeah, you might end up with a hamster. That's a fun adventure. I don't know what it is. It definitely like clean, and it I don't know what's in there. It's weird. Are you stopping? Anyway, sorry. Or you were just looking? Did you stop or you were just looking? 
Yeah, no, I'm right here. I'm at the stop sign. It's like right there. there it doesn't seem to maybe they on there, but I'm hoping. I don't know if anybody's seen the TikTok of the hamster that was hibernating and the squirrel's dad threw it out. Like I'm hoping that's one of these situations. No, I didn't see that TikTok. That's funny. I would absolutely stop if that were me too. Just I be did. Like, it doesn't look like there's anything in there. Good. Maybe they're just trying to get rid of it. Like here, if I put it here, somebody will take it. Yeah, I think so. They didn't. They didn't clean it out. That's just the one thing that was like weird to me. It's just like yeah. sitting in the snow with like, but it's a very clean cage. It looks like it's ready for an animal's inside of it. But yeah, huh? Weird. Yeah. Hmm. So no, I'm happy we actually got on the topic of what we wanted to talk about and yeah. what we are because you and I resonate to yeah. be good for our clients. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we we support people and. Uh, we're nice to people. Yeah. That's, that's what aligns with me. I don't want to be a, a jerk to people that I care about and the people right. that I care about are the people that I'm taking as clients. Right. Oh, I'll and, absolutely uh, be a jerk to somebody else though. But yeah, the people oh, that are actually helping yeah. me, like, like I'll talk shit about people on TikTok all the time. I'll talk shit about, I will talk shit about educated dog owners, like the people that the self-proclaimed dog snobs when they act like fools. And I will talk shit about dog trainers when they act like fools, but I will never, ever shit on a dog owner that just doesn't know any better. Absolutely. Like, I will the never. Way of shitting on people is creating videos of, of triggering things for yeah. other people. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just get a little bored and you just know what works. So you just put it out there and you're like, yes, finally, I get to. You know, I'm actually really happy that so many people on the internet are more educated. You know, yeah. I'm happy that I see a popularity of people saying that, you know, what you see on TikTok is not good. You know what right, I mean? I like right. seeing the comments saying, oh, I, I don't agree with that or that's not good dog behavior or whatever. I understand why those people feel obligated to say that. And I, I do. I'm okay with people giving that advice, you know, and being in the comments. I made a video the other day. It was so bad. I mean, like, <laughs> it was like a 60 second clip into a my idiot dog being my idiot dog and it's so harmless i mean right. like, he's eight and a half years old like he's the most harmless dog out there yeah and so many people were like real upset over right. it and right. i wasn't mad like yeah. i was like good i want people to come across my video and be like oh ha, 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 and then read all those comments saying like this is bad right? yeah yeah and i'll play into the idiot because i don't want to post things and be like I'm better than you I know my dog you know right but I like to post different perspectives or I like to get people going a little bit differently I don't like to always make a video where it's just educational I'm not very good at that yeah no I hate that kind of that kind of deal I don't know. I'm hit or miss. I, I I get what you're saying. And I agree that I'm glad that people are not taking everything at face value and they are questioning what they're seeing. You know, they're, they're really challenging. Like, is that safe? Is that correct? But yeah. it's the way that people go about it with such an arrogant tone that drives me nuts. Me and yeah, and, it, and TikTok's just bad. Like TikTok is just the perfect platform to cyber bully people on. Like oh, you can, you can't get away with that kind of shit on Facebook and Instagram and you can on TikTok. And I think it's just running rampant, but, um, so I guess I get it. But at the same time, it just drives me nuts that people are not, they're not trying to be 
educated. They're not trying to, they're not coming into it like, oh, I could be wrong. They're like coming in full force. And they're, they're not just saying, I don't love this. Like this doesn't look great, but they're like attacking you for, for even being in that situation and then making assumptions about a situation that they don't understand. So like the people saying like the dogs are going to fight and they're going to rip your face off. It's like, you don't know <laughs> shit about my dogs. Like, and it just, what bugs me is that it it's the people who know the least that are talking the most because the people who know that that's not significant aren't commenting on it being like, this is not significant. You know, like the people who are just like, huh, that's funny that are educated are not engaging with the post really. And so there's no balance. So then when somebody goes into your comment section, all they see is like, this is horribly wrong. I, it's not the right balance of perspective where it's like, yeah, maybe in certain dogs, this is horribly wrong, but in other cases, it's just a piece of information. And it's the same. I even commented on that video and hold on one second. I'm going to do it again. Stop 